Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello there, coming up on the podcast, former mayoral candidate Jenny Muckaluck on what she's up to now, our farm reporter friend Harry Siemens on China canceling our canola, Daryl Bricker from Ipsos on new polling the Liberals can't be very happy about, and U of M poli-sci prof Chris Adams on the SNC-Lavalin scandal. Please rate the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast, and now, the podcast. had uh, Jenny Muckaluck in. We got sidetracked. All kinds of stuff was happening. Of course, she ran for mayor, so we've got to ask her her thoughts. And so we never got around to what's up with Jenny. So Jenny Muckaluck is here once again. And uh, Jenny, nice to see you. Thanks, Hal. I'm so glad to be back. Thank you for coming in. So uh, let me ask you a quick question. It's been a while now since the uh, election campaign. And do you still have the Jenny for Mayor website? Are you hanging on to that just in case? Uh, The website's been taken down. (laughs) I know it's gone, (laughs) but have you hung on to it? Well, you know what? You hang on to all your assets, right? I I spent a lot of time actually combing through. You can imagine what a mess everything is at the end of a campaign. And your inclination at the time is just, you just want to light it all on fire. But there's a lot of good stuff in there, yeah. right? Some of it is things like our my Facebook page or yeah. the um, or the URLs that you own. Sure. But also, you know, we did a lot of policy research, mm-hmm. and you don't know when that stuff's going to be handy again. Yeah. So that's like five months ago now, and I think I did one of the last interviews with you before the vote, before Winnipeggers voted, and you seem much more relaxed when we talked. I think you felt like, oh, the race is over and there's nothing I can do now and, and we'll see what happens. So five months later, how are you feeling about your run for mayor? I mean, it, obviously it's disappointing. You want to win, right? Obviously we went into it because we thought there was a path to success. Yeah. and. You know, a lot of Winnipeggers came on board. I remain incredibly proud of the campaign that my team and I put together. And I'm not going to lie, the immediate aftermath is kind of ugly, right? Yeah. It doesn't feel good. There's there's actually somebody explained to me there are physiological responses that happen after a period of sustained effort like that, mm. followed by a letdown. Yeah. Um, and I'm in a, a kind of a special club now of people who've run for mayor and lost. Right. And, and I have to say, one of the things that made me really happy is I got a phone call after it was all over from someone else who's a member of that club, and not one of the eighteen Another candidates. Another woman. Another no, woman. A, a man. Okay. A man. But yeah. he called and he said to me, Jenny, this is going to be among the worst time of your entire life, and I just want you to know that you're right on schedule. I hope you're still in your pajamas, right? <laughs> you know. And and the, you know, this man said to me, he said, I didn't leave the house for six months after I lost. Yeah. It, 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 it's tough to recover because you are so exposed and you really do leave everything on the table, right? Yeah. And not just you, but your my whole family did. Yeah, sure. And and so you want to. Try to find the good in it. And I think that we have found some really good things. And also, you know, the next question is, well, what am I going to do now, right? Mm. I'm going to go back to work. And so that's what I've done, right? I've gone back to work and I'm 
really happy that I've secured a couple of really great new clients to work with, and I'm having a lot of fun. So tell us what you're, what are you doing? You're back at work, but what, back at work doing what? Give us some details right. if you can. So you know what? So I, for the last four or five years, have been doing business development consulting. I'm a big believer in selling stuff for money. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's fundamentally what business is. It's always worked pretty is. well for me, too. Yeah. Yes, I definitely have an entrepreneurial side. So, you know, I've told lots of people that if you think you're in business and you're not selling stuff for money, you know, I have news for you, right? Yeah. It really fundamentally comes down to that. Right. So, so I, I do three kinds of things. I developed some training materials, so sales training materials a few years ago, and they're called Make Money by Selling Stuff. And there's several versions of them and, and several different topics underneath yeah. that. But I really love delivering the, those workshops. And a, a lot of times I'll get brought on by a an industry association or an incubator or accelerator to come in and teach one of these workshops to their members. So I've been doing that kind of work. And I do coaching with people, particularly around um, trade mission planning or conference mm. planning. Yeah. So it's all to me, it's all about answering the fundamental questions of, you know, what do you sell? Who do you sell it to? And why would those people ever want to buy it from you? Yeah. Uh, it's surprising I think, because they sound like easy questions and everybody should know the answers, but it's actually, right. it, there. there's a lot to it. And so a lot of companies really struggle to clearly articulate exactly what their value proposition is. What is it? You know, it's it's not the widget, it's the, it's the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so we, I do, been doing some work like that. Actually, a bunch of, of uh, companies across Canada are now down at a show, a conference called Natural Products Expo West. So I coached them and prepared them for it. I'm looking forward to hearing some good results from from those companies. And yeah. Yeah, so it feels good to be back at work, I'll tell very you that. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. I think I have a contributor for my show, and uh, entrepreneurial issues come up, and, uh, you know, generating business for Winnipeg. And I, I know that was one of the reasons you ran for mayor, because you feel really good about our city and the future of our city. Maybe touch on that a bit. You know, Winnipeg has an um, – there's an immense opportunity here, and, and, and in my opinion, Winnipeg should – we should leapfrog. The entire province of Manitoba should leapfrog into a have province. So there's so much that we have on offer here. And one of the things that I recognize through my career is that there are things that the government can do at all levels to stimulate that. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to is private sector, In my this is my opinion, mm-hmm. comes down to private sector business, right? right? We need to generate money Generating money creates jobs. It pays for all of the good things that we want and contributes to the great lifestyle that we're all going to enjoy here in Winnipeg. So so I'm a passionate believer in selling stuff for money. And I did not know this about Jenny, but you are a passionate curling fan. You said, nobody, Hal, this is what she said when she walked in. We were, hey, what are you doing? What's up with you? And she said... I have watched more curling on television than anybody alive. I think so, in the history of the world. Yeah, wow. that's that's my claim to fame. And, and of course, the Briar is on right now in yeah. Brandon. And I don't mind telling you, on, on Sunday morning, I, I threatened my daughter with a quick road trip, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, it's uh, so close, right? This yeah. is it. It's actually really tempting. And, of course, now for Manitoba, you know, we've got Reed Carruthers and Mike McEwen have joined forces. and. Mm. They're quite a formidable team. They're putting yeah. on a heck of a show. Yes. Uh, they had a tough tough day yesterday, yep. but they bounced back this morning like mm-hmm. you wouldn't believe with a 13-4 win over Newfoundland. But tonight's going to be the big game uh, of this round, early round robin because we've got Manitoba going up against Brad Jacobs from Northern Ontario. Yeah. 
And Brad Jacobs and his crew are a force to be reckoned with. So it's going to be a heck of a match. I'm not missing it. Yeah. And before you go, I've, I've got to say this, too, in our chat before we went on the air. I've got a new left hip. They call me Haltanium because the hip is made of titanium. And you have a relatively new right knee. I do. I'm bionic now. Yes. yes. That's kind of how I look at it, too. I'll say this. Knees are much more difficult than hips. Everybody, I, my mother-in-law has one new knee. And everybody I talk to says a hip is nothing compared to a knee. It was brutal. Yeah. It was absolutely awful. I had four kinds of therapy that I, I was absolutely determined to get back on my feet. And four kinds of therapy I did each twice a day, like twice a week. So I had yeah. eight therapy sessions a week for wow. about four months. You are much more motivated than me, man. I, I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing my exercises, but not I'm not that dedicated. Well, you know what? I waited a long time to get my new knee, and now that I've got it, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going skiing this spring. Good for you. Yeah, it's going to be great. Good. Hey, Jenny, thanks for coming back again and letting us know what's up with you, and hopefully we can have you back again soon. I would love that. Thanks, Al. I want to play a clip, first of all. Jeff Courier this morning chatted with uh, Jean-Marc Rues. He is the senior VP at Richardson International. And the reason is, it's our big story right now at CGOB.com, the headline, China cancels major canola shipments from Winnipeg Company. And the Winnipeg Company is Richardson International. Here is what Jean-Marc Rues had to say about why this has happened to Richardson International. Again, this is from the Jeff Courier show earlier. Well, hard to say uh, at this point uh, point in time uh, specifically what is at play. Um, you know, our view definitely is that this is wider than a, a Richardson uh, issue. I think it's wider than a canola issue. I think it uh, the, the timing of it and uh, and the circumstances of it are such that we think it's a wider Canada-China dispute, and uh, it's very unfortunate that we are caught in the middle of it. And of course, Huawei is at the center of that dispute between China and. Canada. Let's get Harry Siemens on here to comment. Harry, uh, what are you, first of all, good afternoon, sir. Yeah, great. Good afternoon. Yeah. What do you know uh, about this? Tell us what you know. And then I want to get to other areas like hogs, pork. Uh, Are these areas of the ag industry that need to worry about similar moves like this from China? But what do you know about this canola story? Well, you know, the thing about the canola thing, number one, farmers are the ones that always lose out on it because if there's less less demand for canola around the world, that means that the prices drop and maybe farmers will actually maybe pull back on acres next year if there are some uncertain things here. But I checked with the former ag minister, Jerry Ritz, and, and he just says it's totally political. He says, Huawei, and of course the officer involved in all that, he says it's, it's political, and uh, he said people were warned that this was going to happen. He simply says the other shoe has dropped, and so it's really, I think it has very little to do with Richardson other than they're caught in this business, and they're the largest exporter of canola in, from Canada. And so, uh, you know, I was at the B.C. port uh, last November, and, uh, you know, 73% of that particular port, and, and Richardson is building a new one, and there's a... Uh, uh, a couple of other ones, Parrish and Heimbacker, and uh, and and then G3, and and so 73% of the stuff going through that port goes to Asian markets or comes from Asian markets. Either way, so uh, you know this is huge. And and Jerry mentioned one other thing to me, and he's still totally on top of how things are going because he's working hard at it. And and he says you asked 
Minister made the comment right at the beginning, and that has to do with are the other industries, sectors of agriculture going to be affected? He told right. me, you bet they will. And and we're going to go with hogs and beef and whatever else, uh, soybeans. I mean, uh, we ship soybeans there from the U.S. and also some from Manitoba. So it's it's an issue. And 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 so, which is a shame because at the heart of this, it's producers, it's growers, it's it's farmers. I mean, obviously Richardson International, but they're a great big company. Uh, you know, at the heart of this, farmers are suffering because of this uh, dispute. Totally. And, and, you know, and, and the farmers, you know, we're down to what, one and a half percent in Canada of the total population, even though we have far more people involved in, in supplying uh, business and products to the farmers. But those are the guys that stand in the, in the line, but they have nothing to say when it comes to issues like this, even though right now I'm watching Twitter and there's people saying, you know, farmers, we got to get uh, involved. And I have a brother-in-law, Jack Fraze from Winkler. He's the president of the Canola Growers of Canada. They're just meeting in Montreal this week. And Jerry is actually on his way down there. He's going to get the uh, membership award for life membership in honor of the work he's done. But, you know, I come from a farm. My brother farms. My nephew farms. And right now, I think canola, soybeans, wheat, and and a few other products. Those are the main ones. And so, you know, we start to mess around with this, and and rotations start to have uh, an, an effect. You know, and and it's a it's a real issue. The farmers is the one that suffers the most in this particular situation again. Yeah. What do you think farmers might be able to do to try and counter this? Is there anything they can do, Harry? Well, getting back again uh, to to Jack Fraze, who who has spent the last year, you know, globetrotting, you know, visiting in China, Australia uh, and Japan and just giving them the message that the canola that we grow in Canada is probably the best uh, regulated canola in the world. You know, we want to make sure we keep doing business with you. But then we get an unfortunate situation like this. And then all of a sudden, all of that just kind of becomes almost not quite, but almost a mute point. Yeah. And as you said, you know, it seems as though Huawei is at the center of this. It really has nothing to do with the quality of the canola. It's a it's a political situation. And uh, in a case like that, I'm not so sure what can be done uh, except maybe to to ride this out. You mentioned that the pork uh, sector of our ag industry is worried that something like this could happen. Who else do we, uh, uh, when we deal with China, what are some of the other uh, uh, commodities that we, we send that way? Well, we, we always depend on what the Americans sell, not totally, but to a large extent because we trade 80% with the Americans. So when China starts to clamp down on product coming from the United States, it affects us uh, not directly but indirectly because the price that farmers get in in Canada, Manitoba right here, is set on the Chicago Board of Trade for the most part or Minneapolis Exchange. So, uh, so yeah, it's we're totally dependent. But let me just say one other thing: the issue in China, like it has to do with African swine fever. I mean, they are killing pigs in China like it's going out of style because of African swine fever. Two things. Number one, uh, we ship uh, genetics and uh, to China, and we get some of their product here. But uh, if China's uh, pigs are being slaughtered, and they still need to eat pigs because they eat 
uh, in one week what we produce in Canada in total as far as hog production is concerned. So we've got some issues there. And, and if they start monkeying around with the trade thing, then uh, all of this stuff becomes, uh, boy, you, you're really wondering where it goes. So, But at the same time, you know what? As uh, Jerry said and somebody else said, farmers are just uh, a month away, uh, a bit more than a month away from putting in the 2019 crop. And, uh, and they've made plans, and they can switch some of those plans. But at the same time, it becomes uh, you know, a, a juggling act when you see this kind of thing happening. Well, uh, Harry, keep an eye on it for us and, and let us know what you hear. And speaking of seeding, you're right, we're getting close. Uh, we've got a pretty good uh, amount of snow out there. There's a, a flood forecast that came out from the province that is calling uh, for some flooding, similar to what we saw in 2011. How are producers, how are growers feeling about uh, seeding coming up and uh, all the snow? And, and it looks like a lot of water, maybe. Well, you know, the water we, we can handle, you know, it'll, it, it, it needs to go in the right channels and sometimes it gets a little high. But right now, the snow cover, I've traveled to province, I've traveled to Saskatchewan. I have, I don't know when I've last seen the kind of snow cover that we're seeing right now. And we need it because we were really, really dry. Uh, old timers were telling me last year they had four to five inches of rain and they still got a, a fish, you know, 50, 60 bushel an acre uh, wheat crop. But it's dry. It's really dry. So out of this, we need a slow melt. If you got any, you know, handle up to the guy in, in, up above us, you know, we need a slow melt so that that water can can start to sink in into the ground a little bit, and and then not a, a fast melt means it all runs off. But we need a slow melt. Harry, thanks for your time, pal. Appreciate it. Anytime. Harry Siemens, ag reporter. You can uh, get to his website by going to SiemensSays.com. S-I-E-M-E-N-S-S-A-Y-S.com. SNC-Lavalin scandal. And we're going to talk a bit about that right now with Ipsos pollster Daryl Bricker. Daryl, good afternoon. Hey, great talking to you. Yeah, thank you for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. I played sort of a rundown earlier of some of the numbers uh, in this polling, um, maybe give us the biggest surprise, and then we'll get into some of the other numbers. Biggest surprise from this polling uh, on the Trudeau Liberals? Well, I, I would say the biggest surprise to me is how shaky the Liberal vote is. So it's not only that we've got the Conservatives leading them now by 9% nationwide, but when you go in and you ask people questions, for example, like the believability of the Prime Minister versus uh, uh, the former Attorney General, uh, and you look at the desire for people to do things like, a, you know, an RCMP investigation and other things. Even liberal voters are favoring those kinds of <laughs> kinds of initiatives, and and they have questions about what the prime minister uh, has performed uh, like over the space of the last little while around this issue. So I would say that uh, even though we have the number at nine, uh, the potential here is that they could even fall further unless they get this under control. Yeah, the Liberals are down 3 to 31. Tories are up 4 to 40, as you said, a, a nine-point spread. And then uh, 2 to 1, Canadians are believing Jody Wilson-Raybould over the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Those are really surprisingly weak numbers, as you pointed out. Yeah, and including 20% of people who say they're currently voting for the Liberal Party, believing uh, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould over the Prime Minister. So, you know... There's potential for this to go even further down. So uh, if they're going to get things back on track, there's no better time than now. And this is before, this polling was before the resignation of Jane Philpott yesterday from Cabinet, correct? 
Indeed. Yeah, and and that uh, that almost I think that resignation yesterday was almost a bigger deal than uh, Jody Wilson Raybolt stepping down, which I think to some degree was expected. Yeah, so this that's it's kind of added another wrinkle to this whole thing, and you know the. Uh, Prime Minister's former uh, Principal Secretary will be trying to get this back on track. I don't know why anybody thinks a Principal Secretary would be able to do that, but uh, other than the Prime Minister himself, but uh, I, we're going to be seeing this thing play out even more tomorrow. And, th- you know, the, the question is, can they get any of this turned around? And Every day, they seem to be going further and further into this, uh, 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 into this malaise that relates to uh, trying to deal with this issue. You know, I was talking uh, to one of the head uh, political scientists at the university here in town, uh, one of the universities, uh, uh, Paul Thomas, and he was saying when all this was starting, he felt like Trudeau and the Liberals would hang on in Quebec, that that would save them, say an election were held today. But we're even seeing weakness in Quebec for the Liberals, aren't we? Yeah, I think our political scientist class has to get off of this belief that politics operates the way that it used to. The truth is that there are only 78 seats in Quebec, 78. In metropolitan Toronto, the GTA, there's 70. So the de- demography has moved considerably since when a lot of these guys were in graduate school. And the fact of the matter is that you cannot win a- an election in Quebec. Uh, there aren't enough seats. So right now in our current polling, it's even worse for the Liberals because uh, the overall support in Quebec for the Liberal Party is 35. They're still in the lead. But we've got the Conservatives in the high 20s. So they're not that far ahead of them. So even though the expectation is that Quebec would come on side strongly uh, for the Liberal Party uh, defending SNC-Lavalin, that's not showing up in the polling numbers. Daryl, you've been a a pollster for a long time. Do you think there's a number where Justin Trudeau would say, yeah, maybe maybe I do need to take a walk and let somebody else take over heading into an election in October? I don't think that there, these are the numbers he'd be looking at. He'd probably be looking at uh, uh, the number of days on the uh, calendar uh, more than anything because, you know, hope springs eternal, campaigns matter. Uh, he knows what he's against on the other side of the House, which, you know, really hasn't been tested, that being the new leader of the NDP and the, and the new leader of the Conservative Party. So uh, provided he's got time to be able to get his case out there and then, uh, you know, run an election campaign in which he's, he knows his competition, uh, is going to be those two people. Uh, he's probably still thinking that there's an opportunity to recover, but it's the it's the time in the sand dial. It's the days on the clock that are ticking away as they spend more and more time talking about this. And what it really does is it deprives them of an opportunity to talk about anything else. Right. And you know another reason why I personally think uh, this is scary stuff for Justin Trudeau. I don't think Andrew Shear has been that strong a leader for the Tories. And to see the Tories up 4 to 40 and the Liberals down 3 to 31, and this is before the resignation of Jane Philpott, the weakness of Scheer and these numbers for the Tories, I think this spells big trouble for Justin Trudeau. Well, it kind of reminds me of uh, Stephen Harper and Paul Martin. I mean, Paul Martin, in back in the day, if you remember, was a rock star too. I mean, everybody thought that, you know, the former minister of finance, who was the heir apparent to... Uh, uh, Jean Chrétien finally got his chance to do things. And then all of a sudden, the Gomery Inquiry and the uh, ad scam scandal came along and knocked him off his, uh, off his, uh, off his pillar. And uh, Stephen Harper, who nobody assumed would ever potentially be prime minister, ended up, ended up almost beating him in 2004. And then in the next election in 2006, did beat him. So it, it, sometimes these things are referendums on the incumbents 
rather than people actually sitting down and looking at the alternatives. So if uh, the first stage of this whole process will be whether or not Justin Trudeau deserves to be reelected, and then after that it will be a search for the alternative. And right now, if you don't want to vote for Justin Trudeau, who else are you going to vote for? That'll be the question. Daryl, uh, I've been asking the questions. I'll let you have the final word here. Anything you want to get in before I let you go? Yeah, Chris Adams. He's a fine guy. He used to be one of the TAs that worked with me when I was teaching at Carleton University. So I'm glad to hear he's coming up on the show. He's great. We go to him often, and he often mentions his time uh, working with you in the past. So that's great. Thank you, Daryl. He's a a good lad. I like him a lot. He is. Thanks a lot, Daryl. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is Daryl Bricker at Ipsos. Yeah. Yikes. We're going to talk to Chris Adams, poli-sci guy at the University of Manitoba. Let me set up a conversation here with a short clip from Global's Ottawa Bureau Chief, Mercedes Stevens. I can't really think of many people leaving government that would be more damaging to Justin Trudeau than Jane Philpott. And that's because she is seen as really being an upstanding member uh, of Parliament. She's seen as having a very strong moral compass. She's very popular. She's very well-liked. She's seen as extremely smart. She's a physician. And joining us on the phone now, Dr. Chris Adams. By the way, Chris, uh, first of all, good afternoon. And Daryl Bricker says hi. Oh, thanks, Hal. I used to work with Daryl. I was his teaching assistant back with, when the earth was cooling. And then I was a colleague of his when I was a vice president at Angus Reed Group. So yeah. very glad to hear from Daryl through you, Hal. Well, I was on the air and I was teeing up that you were coming up as I was going to him. And I gave him last word and he said, say hi to Chris. Love that guy. So I just wanted to make sure that the, uh, the message you. got to you. <laughs> so uh, before we get into this latest polling from Daryl and the gang at Ipsos, let me just get you to comment on what we just heard from Mercedes there about the resignation of Jane Philpott. Why is this such a big deal? This uh, seems really devastating for people that don't know politics well. Well, if you remember how back 2015, Justin Trudeau was actually in third place, but he was able to attract a lot of star candidates, and and two of whom were 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 uh, Wilson Raybould, as well as uh, Jane Philpott, as well as a, a number of other ones. So uh, in part, this is coming back uh, to haunt the prime minister in the way that these are independently minded, very intelligent individuals with, with a great sense of integrity. Uh, for instance, Jane Philpott, who's just stepped down, she, uh, uh, she's a physician, uh, accomplished physician, has worked in the third world, um, uh, and, and worked on HIV issues, and so she's she's her own person, and uh, she's also uh, known for being very close friends with Jody Wilson Raybould. So I'm sure when she saw uh, Wilson Raybould being uh, um, on the hot seat, and when the the narrative was uh, he said she said type of thing uh, between the prime minister and some of the PMO uh, compared to to what she was saying, Jane. Uh, Phil Pot, you know, came to the defense of her her friend and in defense of integrity and stepped down. So it's elevated the story to an issue of integrity rather than uh, just uh, um, one person claiming there's a problem. How much trouble is uh, Justin Trudeau in here, Chris? Well, you know, I haven't looked at the uh, the most recent Ipsos poll that was done for Global, but but the um, you know the the last uh, series of polls I looked at is the. The liberals are, you know, they're they're behind the Conservative Party, and uh, and under Andrew Scheer, we've got six months to go. Um, Wilson Raybould represents the Vancouver riding in a uh, 
in a province in which uh, the Liberals need to win if they're going to win a majority or even a minority. And and Jane Philpott is is in the Markham region, which is kind of one could consider it part of the 905 Beltway. Mm. That is the suburb seat rich area outside of the core of Toronto. And the Liberals really have to win those two places, especially Toronto and surrounding regions. So it, it is a, a an issue. And um, you know the, the way out. Um, I think we have to see tomorrow what what uh, 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 Gerald Butts has to say, who is the chief of staff for the prime minister, and we have to see what the clerk of the executive council has to say, the head of the PCO, as well tomorrow afternoon. And uh, we might hear some more things to generate news news buzz. But it's a, it's a very heavy, heavy week for the prime minister. I'll give you the numbers on that Ipsos poll. Uh, sure. The Tories are up. This is across the country. The Tories are up four points to 40, leading the way. Liberals are down three to 31. So Tories, 40. Liberals, 31. NDP, 20. And this is before the resignation yesterday of Jane Philpott, which you would think would maybe hurt those numbers even more. Yeah, I I think the—I'm not sure if it's going to go even further south. I I think the damage from— from Wilson-Raybould is probably uh, going to just be consistent. It, I think it solidifies the damage. I'd be surprised if those numbers for the Liberals uh, go uh, further south, but uh, unless there's some even more news coming out. But those are very damaging numbers, and I'd wanna, I'm going to be looking at the press release yeah. tonight to see uh, what's happening in, in uh, Seatbridge, Ontario, and, uh, and, and BC. But I do know, you know, if you look at in the glow of the 2015 election in British Columbia, the Liberals actually climbed in, in support just after the election, up to around 50 percent, and now they're they, uh, they're they're dipping below the 30 percent, 30s and and even uh, lower according to some polls. So it's not a great it's not a great uh, way to open the month of March. I'll let you go, but I, I'll just repeat a few more numbers here for you from this sure. polling. 51 percent say the PM should resign. Uh, only 33% believe him compared to 67% for Jody Wilson-Raybould. Uh, yeah. 75% say the prime minister's wrong. 84% think the RCMP should investigate. 52% want to vote today. These are pretty scary numbers. You, you're, I don't know if they're going to go further yeah. down or not, but boy, I, I would uh, I imagine Justin Trudeau already is uh, really, really concerned about this. I, I think it's time for for the prime minister to have a private meeting with the two ex cabinet ministers uh, together, so the three of them, and and he he's got to you know humble himself and say what do we need to do to move forward and and uh, and listen to those two uh, past cabinet ministers and and uh, find a corrective action and come out with with a, a full blown statement on on where he's going from here. I heard you say that earlier too and 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 I don't know, you know you're the expert, you tell me. But do you think that do you think Justin Trudeau has that in him? Does he have the ability to go in and and swallow his pride and and do something like that because it may be the I, only I, way out for him. I I think he does. You know, uh, uh a colleague of mine said, you know, with management your greatest strengths are your greatest weaknesses. And I think uh, Trudeau's management style as the leader of the party and prime minister has been to rely on cabinet ministers to try to bring in people as smart as he is or smarter and to rely on their skills. So his weakness has been in that area as well. So he, I think he, he, he does have the, the ability to go back to uh, colleagues and say, what do I have to do to make things right? Because I, I think his style is to rely on his, his uh, colleagues. 
which is quite different than Harper, who has had a different uh, strength of style, which was to be more uh, centrally controlling and, mm-hmm. and uh, less reliant on those around him. Yeah. Hey, Chris, thanks a lot for this. I appreciate it. Thanks, Hal. Enjoy the weather. Yeah, you too. Chris Adams, political scientist, University of Manitoba, on the SNC-Lavalin scandal. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.